The movie Get Out is a 2017 horror film that does so much more than just horrify and scare us. It exposes the hard-to-digest truths of racism, that racism is not just present in the American South or among elite conservatives. It is very much a part of all types of people in society, even white liberals who would have voted for Barack Obama a third time if they could have. The movie's protagonist is Chris, a photographer who is black and is dating a white woman named Rose. The movie starts with Chris and Rose discussing their upcoming trip to visit Rose's parents. Her parents have never met Chris before, and he expresses concern over this, not because he's scared of the commitment implications a parental meeting suggests, but because he is black. He asks Rose if her parents know this, and she says no, but she's not concerned because her family isn't racist. In fact, they voted for Obama, which the movie drills into our head as the equivalent of claiming, I can't be racist, I have a black friend. So even though Chris is concerned, they drive to Rose's parents' house, the Armitages, which is located in upstate New York, a beautifully upper-middle-class home with plenty of space and land. The family appears normal, but we quickly see small clues that perhaps this normality is only on the surface. The Armitages have two black workers in their employ, a housekeeper and a groundskeeper, and the family goes to great lengths to assure Chris that these workers are not at the Armitages against their will. In fact, they're family. But the workers act strange, and the Armitages say strange things. The scenes get even weirder when Rose's brother arrives and exudes machismo, grilling Chris after dinner and even trying to wrestle him. Later that night, Chris and Rose talk, and Rose realizes how racist and offensive her family actually is. The following day, Chris meets a bunch of the Armitage's white, liberal, upper-middle-class friends, and everyone immediately says the wrong thing about race. One partygoer tells Chris that black is in fashion, while another one asks for Chris's opinion on the black experience in America today, and if it really is a disadvantage. Instead of answering, Chris asks the only other black person at the party, a strangely dressed young man who seems to be in a relationship with an older white lady, to speak about his experience. Chris, finding this guy's behavior awfully strange, covertly tries to take a photo of the young man. The flash goes off, and the young man freaks out and starts bleeding from his nose. In the titular scene, he tells Chris to get out before he is whisked away by the others and quote-unquote saved. Later, the young man apologizes, claiming to be affected by a seizure, but by this point, Chris has realized something is definitely not right with the Armitages, and he is freaking out. He sends the photo to his friend Rod, who immediately calls him to say that the young man is actually someone named Andre, a friend from Brooklyn who went missing a while ago. Chris's phone loses power, and he tells Rose that something's wrong, so they go for a walk, and Chris explains. It's important to note here that we, the audience, still think Rose is innocent at this point. She appears shocked by Chris's story, but she believes him. She genuinely seems to care, and so there's really no reason for us to think that Rose is also weird like her family. We brace ourselves for both Chris and Rose to meet some kind of horror movie fate as they rush into the house and decide that they need to leave as soon as possible. It's not until they're almost out of the door that Rose reveals herself to be in on it too. 
Then, the Armitage's real intentions are made clear when Chris wakes up, strapped to his seat, and is told the story of how they abduct black people and somehow surgically insert the consciousness of a white person into these abducted black people's minds. In essence, the black people who are abducted become enslaved in their bodies while white people take over. And what bigger message for a movie than this? That no matter how present a black person can be in life, no matter how many liberals claim to not be racist, black people are still slaves within the system. It is the message that is quite clear coming from Jordan Peele, a writer and director more known for comedy than horror, or at least was known more for comedy back in 2017, but has since proved to be a brilliant horror director. It is a message that is still valid today, and why our podcast has been focusing on racism. So now that I've recapped the movie, it's time to turn up the volume from your own sunken place and tune into the next episode of Peculiar Picture Show. show the podcast that talks about movies maladies and mental health i am one of your hosts i am brandon gregory and i am another one of your hosts maria malazzo and today we are talking about the 2017 film get out it was written and directed by jordan peele and this was mm-hmm. actually his first time ever directing a, a movie i believe I don't know, like everything it, um, or just a movie, but yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good question. I like he. I know he wrote what was it, Kiana Gangsta Kid or mm-hmm. something like that about the yeah. the cat. Did he direct that though? I have no idea. No, yeah, this was definitely his direct directorial debut for a this feature. Is. Link, yeah, Link you're Link right. Okay, film. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, the film was nominated for best picture, best director, mm-hmm. best original screenplay, and best actor by Daniel. Kaluuya and uh-huh. it won best original screenplay. He was actually the third person to be nominated for a debut film um, huh. in these categories and the first black winner for the best original screenplay. So well, that's cool. to Jordan yeah. Peele. Um, just to refresh everybody's memories, the best picture winner that year was The Shape of Water. And just to put you in the sense of what else was out there, this was the year that we had um, Lady Bird, which I think is one of your favorites. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which was also nominated, which we also did. Yeah. Yeah. And and then the other ones, which I, and I've seen The Shape of Water. And um, have you seen The Shape of Water? I have not. I think it's on our list. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was Best Picture that year. So I guess we have to, we have, we're forced. (laughs) to watch it by law no i'm just kidding um the other films was call me by your name i've never seen that one i've heard about it hour i don't know that which is boring Mm for me um (laughs) i know it's like i fall i fell asleep the first 10 minutes of that movie (laughs) um phantom thread which i haven't heard of since then and the post so yeah um yeah, I mean, it was a pretty it was it's a horror film too. So, I think that it I don't think horror films are really nominated that often. 
they in aren't Academy um, and I like uh, for the most part I agree with that because horror films I think are kind of fun I'm not a huge fan of a lot of horror films I like some of the classics but mm-hmm. I mean for the most part they're they're fun to watch but they don't have a lot to say and that's right. that's this what I really loved about does. this one. This has a <laughs> exactly. lot to say, um, and yes. I, I think that was why I got the the best um, screenplay win and all the other nominations was its content. And so um, there, you know, there were some negative reviews of this that I'll get into, mostly saying, "Oh, this isn't a good horror film," and completely missing the point of the movie. Uh, and of course, there were people who were offended that it talked about race. So, oh yeah, just like yeah, yeah, with our black Klansmen movie yeah, so um, it's, uh, the last one we did so yeah you know you're but, gonna get those <laughs> oh gosh yeah and of course all of them were like white and they're like i'm not a racist but, but i don't didn't like this, this movie film yeah, talk so, about black people yeah, so, if you talk oh, about black people that means that racism is still here but if we just ignore race there's That's no exactly it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so this is one where like I like I was very curious about this movie going into it. I don't see a yeah. lot of movies in the theaters just because I'm home a lot um, with my family. And so I missed this one in the theaters, but really wanted to see it. And so I ended up reading a plot synopsis. So I knew the twist going into this. It was, you know, it okay. wasn't a shock to me. Yes, but still, I, I did mean, not seeing, know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. seeing everything play out is like this is just such an unsettling film to watch play out even when you know the twist um yeah and so and i mean a large part of that isn't necessarily the the kind of weird sci-fi twist near the end it's just the racial tension here and they made that so real and so um that was i think the scariest part of this film was you know it really captured the feeling of being a black person, the only black person in the midst of a bunch of white people. Um, And that that's, I mean, a feeling that I, as a white person, I'm not used to, um, you know, feeling of course. And Mm -hmm. so it like it, there were a few parts of this. I was just cringing because um, it was about not the, the white people who, you know, claim to hate black people the white people who claim to love black people and how they really don't right and so there are a lot of people i know like this and so this hit pretty close to home and so mm-hmm. it was yeah really well done movie and so and mm-hmm. then let me let's back up a second and talk about how this came from jordan peele um yeah <laughs> like when it was announced that he was doing a horror film like i don't think anybody knew what to think um because he was half of the comedy duo uh, Key and Peel, and so like he had, yeah. oh gosh, like that He's inner more city of comedy, teacher. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then there was the uh, Kiana Gangsta Kitty movie that he wrote and starred in, and so people knew him for goofy comedy. And I don't think anybody was expecting anything like this intelligent and this insightful out of a comedy writer. Um, and so. And yeah. now, of course, you know, he's got this, he's got the movie Us, and he's working on a sequel to the movie Candyman, uh, hmm. which I can't say I've ever been excited to see a Candyman movie, but I will because it's him. Um, and I think he's actually going to be working on like a remake of The Twilight Zone. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so I, he's yeah. actually he's definitely he's found his voice and he's doing extremely well. And I want to see his other movies now. Yeah. So um, but Good for him. Yeah, it's and they um, when they announced this, um, Jordan Peele intentionally kind of kept it kind of shrouded in secrecy. Um, And so I let me see if I can find the actual stat here. But opening week. Yeah, this movie was made on a budget of four point five million dollars opening weekend. It made thirty three million dollars. 
And so you talk about like just killing it in the box office. This, I mean, gross USA was $176 million. And so overwhelming success. Um, And then of course, all the nominations at the Oscars. And so thankfully this was really well received. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I remember when it came out and I saw it in the movie theaters and, um, so, and he did, I, he did a good job at keeping it kind of a secret because somebody had asked me like, Oh, I went to see get out or, or did you, have you seen it yet? And I was like, no, what is it about? And they described it as, and it was a white person and they said, Uh it's a horror film except where black people are the heroes. And I thought that was such a cool way of saying yeah. that, or like you know, like they're the they're the yeah. ones who are being you know, and it's a comment right. yeah. about racism. I you know, like that's but it cool. was like yeah. it was like that's that's the only thing I knew going into it, and yeah. that Jordan Peele is normally known for comedy. So the, the, those are the things. So when I saw it, it was such I, I like. It was amazing. I loved it. And this was your first time seeing it, right? This was my first time seeing it. Yeah. Um, So I watched it with my wife at like a week ago and we're still talking about it. So yeah, it's, it had an impact definitely on us. Yeah. Um, oh, well, another thing that I also wanted to say when I was, um, uh, when I was looking at like stuff about this and I think Daniel Kaluuya said that, um, you know how in the movie, uh, where the father's like, I would have voted for Obama a third time, you <laughs> third know, time, yeah. best, you know, you, you know, uh-huh. how those little, the little stuff that like white people say. And right. he was like, well, now the new term for that is get out. So it's like when white people say, well, I've seen get out three times, like, you know, it's the same thing as saying I would have been. <laughs> and so I would like to say that, um, I've seen get out three or four times and I would see get out again if there would be a, a chance. So as a, as a white person, it's, I'd like yeah, to say that. And I mean, especially with all the protests going on right now it's like there are like i've seen collages of like white women holding their you know white fragility book and smiling um just like look how great of an ally i am um and it's i mean that's that's the sad thing that this movie kind of points out is for most white people improving white um, race relations means convincing black people that white people aren't so bad right um and (laughs) this film does an excellent job of calling that out yes Um, it does so this this collage i saw of all these white women holding that book and smiling a black man actually reposted this and said i'm getting some major get out vibes from this um and (laughs) so yeah it's like it's interesting how this film has given us um like vocabulary to talk about these things and so they're like i've um heard of um black people referring to black people who support Trump as being in the sunken place. Um, and that like instantly, like if you've seen this movie, you know what that means. And there's so much yes. implied there. Um, so it's, yeah, this, it like, I think had a major cultural impact um, beyond just being a really smart movie. And so that's really cool to see. And it's cool to see like essentially a black filmmaker getting, that much impact and that much recognition because that doesn't happen a lot. like about this film 
like we said earlier, the theme, the message um, uh-huh. about how this is a movie where the villains are upper class liberal white people who are yes. supposed to be the woke kind of people, you know, and they're totally not. And um, and that message and the themes of that and what that means, I think is just you know, the film does an excellent job of doing that. Like I said, I, I, I love that there's no white savior in this film at all. Yes. When I was reading about it, it felt like um, a lot of people thought maybe Rose was hypnotized, but she's so clearly evil in this yeah. movie. Um, she's in on it from the start. Yeah. yeah I love how Peel teases us though like at the moment that rose turns and says like when she's trying to find the keys you know it's like um, you know i can't, I can't do give you the keys yeah. yeah because she's evil like up until that point i think he had us kind of wondering i think yeah. you know because we see uh-huh. all of her actions like in the beginning when they hit the deer and um you know she kind of is like why do you have to see his id and you know oh, yeah. she and like we think she's like this ally and stuff when in fact you know, somebody had pointed out online, like, it's probably because she didn't want the paper trail back to, you know, like, uh-huh. it has nothing to do with, with, with that. But, um, but, uh, and then at the end, she is so creepy, like with, um, when she's looking for her new victim and she has like the other, the pictures of all the people that oh, she's ruined and yeah. the milk and the cereal or whatever the fuck that is. Like, that's creepy uh-huh. as, as, as hell. And so, um, So I like that about the movie, like, you know, in a post-slavery society, these white liberals are still enslaving black people by taking over their minds and their bodies. Like, that's really kind of, you know, um, and that's a metaphor for for what we're still doing. Um, Mm -hmm. I like that it comments on the myth that white people think that there's this advantage to being black and and that there's really no advantage to being black, you know, it's really how I think white people keep the racist system alive, you know, telling them the lies. I've heard the same thing about women and about um, like affirmative action, things like that. Like people right. think women want special treatment or they think black people want special treatment when we just want equal treatment. So it's like any yeah. mention that like women are different physically. So maybe we need different medicine is is like brought out and said that no that's special treatment and that's not allowed because you're making the comment that you're different right. and i thought you wanted equal treatment and that's not the same thing that we're trying to say no. um yeah. and it's the same type of sentiment with affirmative action um first of all affirmative action so the definition is usually when people think about affirmative action they're referring to like an institution or you know like a university or a corporate environment that like maybe designates a quota, like a certain amount of percentage of students or employees need to be, you know, black or women or minorities or something like that. And Mm -hmm. it's an attempt to try to fix this horrible racist system that we have. And to a lot of white people, I've heard people complain about affirmative affirmative action all the time, that people should be (laughs) picking the brightest and the smartest, the most qualified, not about their race, but that can't happen when the people making the decisions are human and the people and human are flawed. Humans are flawed. And then they're white men are usually. So it's the system of racist racism that, you know, a white person might say that they're not racist, but that doesn't mean that they aren't racist. It doesn't mean they don't mm-hmm. perpetuate racist systems. And it certainly doesn't mean that they don't have some kind of unconscious bias. So to think that everything is going to be solved if we just pick the most qualified people, you have there's you can't do that the system's broken you know and yeah. so people and it's so 
So it's like, oh, special treatment, you know, like it's an advantage to be a black person in society because you're going to get into university, like because you're black, you don't have to try hard. That's what people think. And that's not the way it is. But anyway, the movie really, I just, I think the movie makes a, a loud statement about that, especially when they kind of ask Chris, you know, all the white people in the um yeah, in the crazy what is yeah the caligula <laughs> society or whatever they right. are i have no idea um and they're like you know is it an advantage to be a black person like they turn to him as if he's like the spokesperson for his entire race and right. you know and and that's and that's how people think oh it must be an advantage we're gonna get their bodies their bodies are superior you know the um the whole story about how his father um lost um <laughs> Yeah, in the Olympics. Just, yeah. yeah. And it just clicked and made sense. You know, and he's like, he almost got over it. But um yeah. uh <laughs> that kind of myth. I like that the film comments on that. And um I know you said you don't really like horror films. I like horror films. Um, and I just think this is a really good fucking horror film. It's very creepy. Yeah. The it's beginning very well done. It's very well done in the horror style. I like how the hitting of the deer sets the tone, you know. Mm-hmm. Chris thinks about it throughout. It's a morbid thing. Um, that we know from that beginning that is this is a horror film. Things are probably not gonna go great, and um, and also I think there's some parallels about Chris's mom there and how Chris's mom was left to die, kind of thing, and a hit and run, mm-hmm. just like the deer. Now Chris fears he will die, and he's helpless and in this family, and so I just think it's a it's a great horror film, and those people are really creepy. And, um, and it's also funny. So those are like, so good horror film is very funny. Um, also, (laughs) and, Uh um, also creepy and has a lot of great messages. So, um, in a nutshell, that is what I liked about it. Um, but I like also everything else about it. Okay. So what do you like about it? (laughs) So there's a lot. (laughs) Oh gosh. It like, it's one of those, like I said, like I read about this film beforehand. So I kind of knew what it was trying to say, but seeing how well everything was executed just blew me away, even though I knew what was coming. And so this, this film is just so well executed um, that I think that's my favorite thing about it. And so I, I had seen, some reviews of this that talk about how great it was that this film subtly comments on racism. I don't think this was subtle at all. And I think it's a very good thing (laughs) because any, anyone who has experienced racism and I'm not someone who has experienced racism, but I'm someone who has read about other accounts. And so like anybody who has experienced racism from white people, though, they know exactly what's going on here. Um, And this, and like, it's, it's easy to see it. Like it's easy for me as a white person to see this. And so now, unfortunately, some people I think did miss the, the obviousness of this. And so maybe not obvious enough for those people, but still like, I, I liked how open this film was about racism. And so um, everything from, I mean, there's that part where, you know, the police officer demands to see Chris's license and Rose actually gets up in the police officer's face, um, and tells him he's an asshole. You could see Chris's face. He's like, I am not allowed to talk to police that way. Um, yeah. And so he, I think he is a little shocked at what Rose is able to get away with as a white woman. And so there's so many little parts of this, um, and then, like, just, I mean, like, every moment and every interaction between Chris and Rose's parents um, was just, like, cringeworthy. Um, that, I mean, the first meeting where, you know, they're just trying so hard to talk about how not racist they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's, 
you know, it, 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 um, felt very real to me. And it's definitely, this came from a place of someone that knows what they're talking about. And of course that's, you know, coming from a, a black director who has experienced racism his whole life. Um, and, but like, you don't see a lot of that in film, let alone in horror film. And so, um, then, I mean, like there's the setup at the beginning where the police start questioning Chris. And so they set up, um, what the police could do to Chris. And so I, I know you had talked about the alternate ending. Like I, when the police lights started flashing at the end, my heart dropped because I knew what was going to happen and I was expecting the alternate ending. So why, why don't you tell us about the alternate ending since you were. Yeah. In, okay. In on that, so. So, yeah. So the alternate ending, um, what had happened, what happens during that is that Chris kills Rose and then is arrested by the police. So it's exactly kind mm-hmm. of what you think when you first see, the um the lights and it's actually his friend but in the alternate ending it is the police and i think it then kind of fast forwards to chris being in jail and his friend Mm -hmm. um visits him and wants to investigate things and wants to like kind of say okay like the family but chris says everything is fine because the armitages are dead and everything's over so it's just kind of like everyone thought racism was over with the end of the civil war with the end of the civil rights movement like great mm-hmm. so slavery solved yeah you know black rights r- solved but it's not so peel changed so that that was the ending so that that was that was the uh, the, yeah. the original ending and he changed it to the current ending because i guess one production had started several police shootings of black people had made the discussion like the national news and so mm. he kind of felt people were waking up so he changed the ending to be a little bit happier i'm not sure if by like that it was changed but um cuz <laughs> cuz like it just seems so weird saying that out loud like, yeah, because uh, like, no, like, because what's going on right now, you know, it's just like three years ago, it was not it's almost like he kind of played into the everything was solved thing by changing the ending. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, because sort because of, the national yeah. news. Yeah. But I mean, I, I guess I think the police lights at the end were enough to to get the point across to scare said. people. Yes, that yeah. is what he said. He said he thought that that was the that that was enough um, but yeah, um, but that was, that was, that was the original ending. So it mm-hmm. was what you thought it was going to be. Right. Where, I mean, he's just, I mean, there, there's no way you could explain your way out of that, especially as a black man to the police. Right. Um, and so, uh, um, it's, it, although like yeah. if there's a bunch of evidence, but like, even so like, I mean, cause you could say, well, Hey, there's like a I, neurosurgeon I think, thing. Like, yeah. what the fuck? I think in the original ending, the house burns down. Oh, yes. Which is in there. I mean, the house catches fire. Never mind. Yeah, Yeah, that is a big thing. Yes, yes. You know, you're right. Yeah, yeah. But even so, so, like, I still would have believed it, even if there was evidence i would be like yeah they probably still would say that chris did it because they're assholes yeah so, like, that, I, I wouldn't I expect feel. a fair like, investigation yeah i wouldn't ex- yes and <laughs> maybe i would even expect the police to burn it down like and kind of like at the beginning with the police thing and once i mm-hmm. realized there was like a society or whatever i thought maybe the police officer was in on it too in the beginning you know and it would I make sense no, if it was yeah. gonna like tie it back somehow but you know, it didn't. But like, like this whole, you think about it, like the whole community and town would need to be in on something like this if everyone just started dying and then turning into black people. You know what I? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, which is, I think, 
when you think about it that way, I mean, it makes sense with the way society, that's how we buy into these things, right? It just becomes normalized and, um, and, and that's how these racist systems are upheld. So I, I, I still think it does a good job in commenting on that. Yeah. might be a short section but what did you dislike about this film yeah i mean i can't think of anything to dislike about this film like i um like i like horror films so i can't pick on it being a horror horror genre i mean i I love that i thought it was excellently done um do you have anything because i don't have anything Uh, you know, I, I like the last movie we did. I don't have a lot that I specifically dislike, but I kind of wanted to get into some of the negative reviews on this film. Because once again, I went to IMDb and started reading through negative reviews, and every single one of them is a white person who doesn't like talking about race. So I, I wanted to kind of get into that. And so, I mean, like you were talking <laughs> about ridiculous. earlier with um, affirmative action and how some white people think, well, you know, why don't we just hire the best with the implication being black people can never be the best. Um, because the best are always white people. That's the implication when somebody says, why don't we just hire the best? And so that's, that's exactly, I found one review in particular. Oh, really? Um, And (laughs) yeah. And so it's um, basically the entire first paragraph is talking about how the only reason this one is because it's black. um, And it talks about race and it's a, yeah, it it talks about it being a mediocre Mm -hmm. film. This is not a mediocre film, um, but you know, um, it talks about, here's a quote, the blackest, gayest, most leftist movie wins. Um, is it Jordan Peele misspelled directing debut hits high marks? For, <laughs> of course, uh, you know it's like I mean, like there's just no respect. The guy the is black clearly is like, like black is, is yeah most leftist movie because and like you know this is clearly somebody that just wants to uphold the status quo and gets offended when anything else. Um, yeah, and so you know again like he goes on to say that by talking about race like this is making racism worse which basically as we talked about in our last episode means talking about race like this makes me uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. it's implied that you know even though you know even if something is not your fault privilege carries with it an ethical responsibility to fix things and so it may not be your fault but it is still your responsibility to fix this and I think people just inherently intrinsically know this um um, and they they get really uncomfortable. That's why people get so uncomfortable talking about privilege is they don't want to admit that there's anything wrong because that that would carry an ethical responsibility to fix it. Right. Um, and yeah. so this you know this person says white people leave the theater hopeless and black people leave the theater more fearful and distrustful of white people than when they walked in. Even the people who don't seem racist are out to get you. Um, and so. You know, in this person's <laughs> mind, everything is fine as long as we don't talk about racism. Right, right. right. It's, um, and so, and like, this is, I think, the most out there. Like, the, the reviews for this weren't as bad as they were for Black Klansmen. Uh, but still, these people are out there. And every single one of them says, it just, I don't like that they talk about race. And it's, you know, it's... But I'm not racist. Um, yes. Regressive racial politics infect an otherwise interesting horror f- flick, you know? Um, and so, and of course, there are people saying... Like the only interesting thing about this is that it had black people and that's not interesting. Like, 
Um, so, uh, you know, again, like talking about race openly makes some people very uncomfortable and we're seeing some of the backlash with this. Now that said, like, I, I think most people like this film. The reviews are overwhelmingly positive, but yeah. there are a few very outspoken people talking about this. Um, so, I mean, I could probably spend an hour just going through these reviews, <laughs> but unfortunately there were some people, some very outspoken racist people talking about this and every single one of them would say they're not a racist but they were offended by the open discussion of race um and i mean if you're offended by progress and racial matters surprise you probably are a racist and so i i think this this movie brought that a lot to light and people were uncomfortable with that so that's what i have to say on that The mental health discussion here is going to be interesting because I, I don't know if there's a lot of like, you know, overt like mental illness or mental health on this, but there's probably a lot to talk about here with race matters. And so uh, what do you think this film has to say about mental health? So, yeah, not not much to say about mental health um, that I could figure out to talk about in the film, except for the whole um you know, how racism can affect people who are affected by it negatively, negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you have about <laughs> what did you have? I want to talk about um, the portrayal of racism in this, because um, like, I think a lot of white people were like, yeah, but, you know, a horror movie about racism, we're going to you know, hurt, you know, really get to those races. And instead of being about like the person who just overtly hates black people it was about the people who say they love black people but secretly hate them and so i think it hit to the core of a lot more white people and i mean to you know i I think a lot of white people were very accepting of this but this was i I think a lot more biting and insightful as to modern racism and so i mean most white people today they think racism means hating black people but that's that's not what it looks like today you might love black entertainers and celebrities you might even have a black person in your family that you love as much as any other family member but you hate black people who step out of line you love black people when they know their place and when white people control them and that's what modern racism looks like and that's what Mm. this movie portrays Mm -hmm. um is you know white people that love black people as long as they know their place as long as white people are controlling them so i'm actually i'm going to bring up something um some mm-hmm. some local um, stuff here in Kansas City. And so oh. Mayor Quentin Lucas of Kansas City is a black man. Um, he recently announced a mandatory mask rule in all public places in Kansas City in response to the pandemic. And you can imagine how that mm-hmm. went over with some people because there are there's a significant portion of people, mostly white people, who think that nobody can tell them what to do with this. And so he actually received not only complaints, but racially charged death threats. And he posted one of them on Twitter. This person was upset that Lucas did not respond to his angry messages like immediately. And so he said, unfortunately for yourself, I'm going to post these messages so everyone can see you don't respond to white people. 
And then this person like kept going with increasingly hateful comments and eventually said, you should swing from a tree. I'm not threatening it, but I would love to see it. Um, and so, yeah, and this is to the mayor of Kansas City, who is a black man. And so, you know, when a black man serves in office, that's fine. You know, I'm cool with black people. But when the when the white people are asked to do something they don't want to do by a black person, then out come the reminders that black people are killed in this country because in their minds, white people don't take orders from black people. Uh, you know, white people, they love black athletes. Um, they'll have posters of black athletes, but when one of them steps out of line, like when one of them kneels to ask us to stop killing right. them, white people get offended because he's out of line. He doesn't know his place. We, um, you know, white people love black people when they're peaceful, but when they protest, you know, we will quote Martin Luther King Jr. out of context and just a few quotes that we agree with because we haven't read the rest and we don't care to. Um, and so it's, you know, again, it's an attempt to control black people and so like I'm, I'm seeing a lot of this in political discussions right now where the black community has overwhelmingly chosen joe biden as their candidate and the the bernie bros the you know bernie sanders mm-hmm. supporters yep. have railed on the black community is saying like i don't understand why black people would do this they just may you know just must not know better they must not uh. know what's good for them and so that that's been the sentiment from most bernie sanders supporters is black people just don't know better and i know better what's for you know you know, for, you know, what's good for them. Um, and so, I mean, there, there's a part in this film where Steven Root's character, I forget his name, is explaining the procedure yeah. to Chris. He's like, you'll mm-hmm. still be in there, a part of you, but I'll be controlling the motor functions. Yes. And Chris finishes for him, so you'll be me. And that's, that's hmm. what so much racism looks like today is, like, I love black people. I love it when they, you know, produce entertainment i love it when they're entertaining i love it you know even interacting with black people so long as i'm the one in control um and so i mean what this movie is saying is completely possible to love and respect black people as long as you feel you control them um and that i think was like a very powerful statement to make and one that's not often made today because so often like white people see racism as hating black people. And so they say, I I can't be racist because I love black people. And it is very possible for those two things to coexist. It is very possible to love black people as long as they don't step out of line. Um, And that I think was such a like intricate but subtle message this film was putting out there um that i don't think i've seen in cinema before and so this i like i i really enjoyed seeing that and so it's it's one that had me thinking for like days afterwards and Mm so that like i don't i don't have any studies i don't have any stats i just wanted to make sure that we're articulating that that it is very possible to love and respect black people as long as you feel you control them and racism can very much look like that today and so i mean as we're continuing these discussions on race i think that's a very important point to make So uh, we are continuing this discussion on race. So we're going to be continuing this because I think it's an important discussion to have. And like this is an important part of the national and even international mental health discussion is racism. So we are going to be continuing this. So, uh, Maria, you want to introduce our next film? Yes. The next film that we're going to see is 12 Years a Slave. It is um, a 2013 biographical period drama film. 
and an adaptation of the 1853 slave memoir, 12 Years a Slave, by Solomon Solomon Northup. And so I am going to read the quick little synopsis of that. Mm-hmm. In the years before the Civil War, Solomon Northup, a free black man from upstate New York, is kidnapped and sold into slavery in the South. Subjected to the cruelty of one malevolent owner, he also finds unexpected kindness from another as he struggles continually to survive and maintain some of his dignity. Then in the 12th year of the disheartening ordeal, a chance meeting with an abolitionist from Canada changes Solomon's life forever. And so, Hmm. yeah, this was, uh, did it win Academy Award Best Picture? I honestly don't know. I have not seen this. Yeah, I have um, never seen this either. But yeah, sorry. I see that it was it it says um awards, Academy Award for Best Picture. So I guess oh, that's correct. Um so yeah, this yeah. Um so that's what we're going to be watching next time and talking about. And um I think that yeah. um we will continue this discussion. So would yeah. you like to take us away? Take us away. All right. We are Peculiar Picture Show, a podcast that talks about movies, maladies, and mental health. You can find us online at peculiarpicture.show. That is our website. You can stream all our episodes. We have ways to get in contact with us, links to our social media profiles, um, and a list of all the movies we're going to do. So you can find us there. Um, additionally, I write my own movie reviews at brandontalksmovies.com, and I have some of my mental health writing at monsteronmyback.pub. So that's what we've got, and I'll talk to you later. See you next time. Bye.